You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. We are very happy to report to you that the ongoing test series between England and West Indies have been quite a spectacle. Uh, I have my co-host Ajit uh, to talk about this now. Hello Ajit, how are you doing man? Hi Gary, I'm doing good. Well, uh, it feels really good to, you know, have the first series of test cricket yeah uh, behind us right yeah. so it was indeed uh, also worthy of uh, you know all the weight so it was a three test mm-hmm. match series that had a 2-1 result and uh, so that's that's really giving me a nice feeling for the rest of the cricket coming up in this summer and also into the winter yeah that's true that's true um, there is a lot of cricket to be played still uh, i think the english summer is not yet over uh, we have some some more series coming up. We'll talk about that. But uh, how are you doing in general? Uh, are you still uh, working from home, not doing a lot of things? Are you are you playing cricket, by the way, in your club? Yes. So, yes to the first, yes to the second. <laughs> I'm indeed working from home. And, uh, well, working and uh, making sure I'm also having a little bit of home and uh, work-life balance, so to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's a bit of a stressful time at work. And I'm always looking forward to, you know, tuning off and uh, doing other things. One of those being, of course, the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Um, when it comes to cricket that I play, so we have indeed played four games with my team in the club. And uh, yeah, it's it's so far been a good season. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, because in this season, they've actually stopped promotion demotion. So it gives us an opportunity to explore cricket in a different way, as in doesn't always have to be result driven. But so far, we've uh, had a majority success. So, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, been also very enjoyable that way. Mm-hmm. So, that's me. How about you? I'm not doing bad myself. Uh, working from home, um, indeed. But uh, uh, my club or my team actually had a cricket tournament that was played over the weekend. Uh, we played three matches. Unfortunately, uh, we lost all three of them. But with a good fight, uh, I have to say. And I didn't play because I had a, an issue with my knee. Uh, I'm still recovering from... A, I think I pulled a muzzle while I was playing badminton. On the very first day I played sport, uh, <laughs> uh, after the lockdown was lifted, uh, I had an injury. So I'm still recovering from that. Um, so I hope to be back out there and then playing with my team again. Team again, um, maybe in two or three weeks from now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, otherwise it's been quite a boring summer. Uh, the, the weather has been quite good. I mean, it's not so bad, uh, but we can't do a lot of things, right? So we can't really engage in all the activities that we were uh, busy with, um, let's say last year, same time. Of course. But yeah, we have to live with it. And it's the coronavirus will be with us for some more time. Uh, I know there are some inroads that are mm. being made uh, with regards to the vaccine development program. I think a couple of vaccine trials have entered the final phase or the phase three, as it's called. Uh, I think one is in the UK. Uh, Oxford University collaborated in collaboration with a, a pharmaceutical company. And then I think there was another one in the US that was also being trialed or a high 
human efficacy trials i think that's what they call it right. so with 10000 plus people being uh, injected uh, wow. we have to wait for the results i think it's going to take a couple of months mm-hmm. but before that i think the the previous phase of testing was uh, quite a success uh, with the uk vaccine program mm-hmm. i think about they if i'm not wrong I can be wrong on these numbers don't take me don't take my word for it but I think about 70% of it was found to be uh, effective right uh, so people who were giving this vaccine uh, showed symptoms 70% of the people showed symptoms but then they recovered very quickly so it was just like fever and then a bit of headache and which nice. could be hand, uh, managed with paracetamol mm-hmm. paracetamol our wonder drug right in the netherlands <laughs> of course i mean and that's uh, what you do first yeah. is you take it and go to bed and then in, uh, if it still stays with you for a week is when you go to the doctor right yeah 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 so you treat yourself first i mean i'm i'm kidding mm-hmm. uh, people listening to us shouldn't take our word for it um but everybody knows that here right in the netherlands we first uh, even before we consult the doctor uh, we think it can be cured by paracetamol and then uh, and even and i think the local people also uh, yeah joke with that topic but anyway um on a serious note i think we we are making some progress there or the scientific community um thanks to them i think they're working really hard day in day out uh, mm-hmm. in making this happen so uh, we really look forward to the results from the phase 3 uh, mm-hmm. tests uh, and yeah if the phase 3 tests come out sometime in september or october we might have a vaccine by the end of the year mass production but that's wow. a big if that's a big if but we are getting there right we are getting there we have sustained we have endured this um for about 6 months now mm-hmm. um it's it's going to be a bit longer but uh, we'll get there in the end hang in everybody well there you go we've we've now covered the covid health update part <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah no but it's it's always good to also know where we are right so Yeah. I mean I might make a bad joke of it which I would like to that's probably a defensive mechanism I've developed over the time but this is this is good to know this is always also very you know uh, considering that you know here in the Netherlands they are really uh, worried about a potential second wave breaking out now that mm. it's the holiday season and people are going out you know so yeah yeah let's see let's see how that really pans out and maybe having you know vaccine come out sooner uh, rather than later would be a better option so but now back to the cricket at hand yes. we've just finished a wonderful wonderful test series giri so the third test was as as much of a cracker as the other two so let's go through the scores and maybe you can uh, give us the let's say the summarizer's perspective right so in this case yeah. england you know were put into bat again by the west indies uh, second time in a row contrary to let's say uh, popular uh, wisdom so to say so they were put into bat and uh, you know they hung on gamely so at the end of first day again it was a very hard grafting day but they ensured that you know they came out on top so at 4 for 122 sort of things hung in the balance there was a very high likelihood that uh, they may blow it away and you know end up 200 all out and instead they met the usual let's say uh, resistance first of all rory burns right at the top of the order made 57 ben stokes for a change made only 20 and joe root 17 but then ollie pope who's now sort of being hailed as the next ian bell in certain quarters you know there's enough of ian bell in the way he plays and also he stands yeah. and so on and so forth he made 91 and in very typical bell style missed on a 100 <laughs> and then 
Josh Butler finally woke up as far as with the bat he's concerned and then he made 67 and surprisingly again at 280 for 8 there was a chance England would be bundled out around around you know 300 but they you know they rode on uh, Stuart Broad's confidence and uh, you know he went he made 62 in very very quick time almost T20 innings that basically meant England finished on 369 this is comfortably about 52 80 runs above par given the conditions and given a lot of rain predicted in this game and uh, well when it came to uh, english uh, bowling so again uh, they had four full fast bowlers this was probably the best fast bowling attack they had assembled right so west indies were really staring at a bit of an issue but you know when they lost craig brathwaite really early in their first innings we knew they were in trouble campbell was dropped early on and one felt you know he could sort of kick on but he only made 32 shy hope 17 and then you know jerome blackwood fought back with uh, 26 but and holder 46 and dowrich 37 but in spite of all these nuggety contributions west indies were only able to make 197 so broad who's on a high basically currently running riding a form wave so to say he took a 6 for 6 for 31 and that meant you know england were firmly in control of this game so they batted again quickly and then you know scoring even even time they made uh, 226 for two declared in this case rory burns finished with 90 and Dom Sibley 56 and Joe Root sort of was unbeaten on 68 in the moment Burns was dismissed they went in right so when it came to West Indian bowling in the first innings Kimar Roach took a 4-4 and finally sort of you know all his good bowling in the other tests it looked like he was always bowling well and you know his 4-4 also meant he crossed the 200 wicket mark but we'll discuss that in detail right Kiri? Shannon Gabriel was sort of yeah he looked a bit uncomfortable on the first day but he came back to take two wickets and uh, you know holder was steady and then roston chase as usual with his golden arm took two wickets uh, cornwall who was sort of included in azari joseph's place it was a strange move but sort of something that i had foreshadowed in the series preview uh, i'll come back to that a bit later so they had two spinners West Indies, and cornwall really didn't have much of an impact in this game and he bowled 27 fruitless overs in the first innings so chasing a really really tough target you know there was a bit of gamesmanship here from england because they knew the fourth day would more or less be lost to rain they treated it like a four-day test match and they declared at the end of the third day giving west indies you know about five eight overs to bat and west indies were 10 for two in that period already right they had lost campbell and even roach the night watchman so both of them to broad with his tail up and bowling fantastically you know that manic broad that you know will get results that that broad was in very much in view this test and yeah uh, unfortunately on the last morning when the cricket resumed even though there were some rain in- interruptions that did not make much of a difference as far as the result was concerned and west indies were blown away on the last day so chris woke stepped in took a 5-4 and uh, Stuart broad continued on his merry way took a 4-4 and you know uh, england won this test match really really comfortably by 269 runs so this we hear is the biggest victory by innings over west indies in by margin of runs Right, Giri? So, what would you think would be some salient points we can go through? Well, I'm going to start with, firstly, the selection, the team selection on the West Indian side. Hmm. Um, I'm still not sure if uh, the inclusion of uh, Rakim Cornwall was the best move. Hmm. Because they already had a spinner in uh, Roston Chase, and he was not so bad. He was a little bit effective, uh, considering the first two test matches that he played. I think he picked up a few wickets there. Hmm. Uh, and I think he even got out Rory Burns a couple of times anyway in this test series, uh, right. Justin Chase. Right. Um, so he was doing well. 
and they left out Alzari Joseph. I don't know if he was injured or if that was a strategic move. Maybe mm-hmm. it was a strategic move. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to start with that. So I, I know Cornwall is touted to be an all-rounder and he's supposed to bowl and bat, but it was not to be seen. I think his bowling was, it was okay um, on more than one occasion, but it was not good enough, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. I, In fact, I thought Roston Chase was looking more menacing uh, then uh, Cornwall, maybe it was also down to the confidence level that uh, Cornwall had in him. Yeah. So, okay, so that's the first point. The second right. point is, I still don't understand why Jason Holder elected to field first. I know the conditions were conducive for uh, seam bowling mm-hmm. on the first day or the mm-hmm. first morning, first session. Right. But Old Trafford, right, Old Trafford traditionally... Uh, the pitch is also, you know, favoring the spinner, which is probably why he picked uh, Cornwall as well. But on the fourth day or the fourth innings is much harder, I would say. And they've already, uh, they already had tasted this in the second test match. So right. I don't know why he tried to do that. It was a different surface, but still, it's in the same ground. So, And when you basically win the toss and uh, ask the opposition to bat, if they survive the first two sessions without too much of damage, you always... Mm-hmm. Are chasing them basically. You, you're, 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 uh, you have to come from behind, mm-hmm. uh, and batting Agreed. fourth is always difficult on a, in any test match. Forget mm-hmm. the ground anywhere in the world, right? So that's those are some points that I noted. Um, it was good to see English middle order clicking, uh, especially Butler. I think Butler was under a huge amount of pressure uh, mm-hmm. this time, uh, and they were even called for uh, Bearstow being. Uh, you know, included for the next series against Pakistan or even, who is that guy? Ben Fuchs, I think. Indeed. Uh, the guy Indeed. who did really well in Sri Lanka last year. Mm-hmm. So, it's good to see that uh, Butler redeemed himself and also very nice to see that the opening partnership between Rory Burns and uh, Dom Sibley is settling down quite nicely. Mm-hmm. I think Sibley had an injury last year, didn't he? Uh, when he was in South Africa. Indeed. That's why he had to return. Uh, and they had to include uh, the likes of Keaton Jennings who continued to fail. And now I think they have a very good combination in Burns and uh, Sibley. Uh, especially in the second innings, they showed us what they can do, what they could do, right? Uh, and I think they put on, how much was that for first wicket? I think it was even more than 100 runs in the second inning. So. Yeah, 140. Okay. Um, yeah, indeed. Yeah, so that was good. And uh, spare a thought for uh, Stuart Broad. It's fantastic with the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was actually watching this innings sort of partly live uh, on television. And Nasser Hussain kept saying Stuart Broad is due a big score because he has not batted well enough since the uh, the injury he sustained way mm-hmm. back in 2014 Indeed. against uh, Avarun Aaron uh, Bouncer. Yeah, right. So I think he had a bl- bloody nose that day. In fact, I saw footage of blood, you know, really trickling down his nose. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it, ha- it left a huge scar, a mental scar in him. And I think he even took uh, specialist help, therapist uh, help to uh, overcome that uh, tough period. Mm-hmm. And he was always, I think he then started to have a different stance. Like he, he exposed his thumb. He always played inside the line, trying to be away from that, uh, you know, snorter of a delivery from any fast player. So he did the same. But I think by the time he came out to bat, the damage had already been done by... Uh, uh, Ollie Pope and Josh Butler. So all he had to do was swing his bat and then he connected everything that he uh, tried to hit. So he even pulled a sixer, I think, of uh, Shannon Gabriel's uh, bouncer. 
Wow. Was All right. <laughs> he was he was on a roll basically, mm-hmm. um, and he made a very quick fire uh, sixty two. Um, coming to the bowling lineup of uh, West Indies, uh, Kima Roach and Shannon Gabriel they were fantastic. I think they bowled really well. I still mm-hmm. remember when uh, West Indies took the second new ball uh, in the first innings in the English first innings. England could have actually gone down very quickly. They were bowling really well with the second new ball, both uh, Roach and Gabriel. Right. Um, but England managed to survive. I think Butler and uh, Oli Pope uh, basically started counter-attacking, especially Oli Pope. He's quite an impressive young man. I think he looks like Bell. He plays like Bell. Uh, and I think he even has the timing, you know, the fantastic cover drive that uh, um, Ian Bell used to play. In his Indeed. Indeed. So I think he's he's almost a like-for-like replacement, albeit a bit late. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's good. I think they have a very good middle order now, con- hoping that it continues like this. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on. I think Kima Roach picked up his 200th test wicket. Uh, he's now 32 years old, probably at- approaching the twilight of his career. Mm-hmm. He can add a few more to his kitty, uh, right. maybe another few, 50 or 100 wickets, and then uh, finish ahead of Michael Holding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right. That's a joke. right, right, right. Anyway. Um, it was good to see, but then um, the West Indian batting did not have much to talk about. I think apart from the captain and Dorich, uh, there was nothing else to talk about. That they they meekly surrendered in the first innings. And then English batsmen, of course, took over in the second innings, and then Joe Root played a one-day innings, right? Mm-hmm. So he played a very quick sixty-odd runs, and it was unlucky for Rory Burns to miss out on a hundred towards right. the end of the innings. Um, the yeah, okay. I'll just come back to the first innings um, of England. Uh, and I, I saw this analysis of uh, Kima Roach dismissing Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes was apparently batting much further up the pitch, away okay. from his crease, mm-hmm. um, because he wanted to negate any swing or movement off, uh, in the air or off the pitch from Kima Roach. Kima Roach, we know he doesn't have that kind of pace that he once had. He was a tearaway fastball when he came onto the scene, but now he's I think he's maybe uh, early 80s. I think he bowls like 80, 81 miles an hour max. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And then what he did, he bowled a few bouncers at Kimar. He still has a very potent bouncer, uh, Kimar Roach. He followed a, he bowled a few bouncers and then pushed Ben Stokes back. Ben Stokes back. I think one of those bouncers even cost him a boundary. But that was all an investment from Kimar right. Roach. And afterwards, he... he bowled a delivery which was, I think, on a good length, maybe on a foolish side. Uh, and that went through Ben Stokes' defense, and then he was bold. And right. I think Kima Roach worked out Ben Stokes there. Ben Stokes there. I think he that go, just goes to show that you don't necessarily have to have the kind of pace that he once had. He can still work out batsmen so nicely. That was a fantastic uh, um, achievement from Kima Roach. I think Ben Stokes was Ben Stokes was flummoxed at the end. And okay. coming to the second innings uh, of West innings or the fourth innings. I saw that the English bowlers, bowlers, when they began bowling this uh, morning, mm-hmm. uh, they had a particular line and length in mind. They were bowling full and they were bowling on the stumps. So right. You will see that the dismissals, they were either LBW or bold. I think most of them were LBW, especially Chris Wokes. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think he had, let me check, one, two, three, I think three, at least three LBWs. Indeed. And Broad himself had another LBW. So they're trying to bowl really full and on the stumps. And, you know, with Broad, either the ball comes in uh, off the pitch or it just holds his line and then you have a cu- couple of caught behinds there like okay. that. But I think Chris Wokes, he got a 5-4 uh, today. That's very nice. Uh, 
and then broad of course achieved his 500th test wicket wicket and broad and anderson together are now in the 500 club and they are still playing together and mm-hmm. i think that i saw an interview of uh, michael atherton or was that nasir hussain could be one of those guys um anderson is now i think 37 years old and broad mm-hmm. is probably 34 yeah he's so broad still has a couple of years left in him so he might actually touch the 600 mark indeed yeah there is still a possibility if he continues to play only test cricket because i think by playing only test cricket he's preserving his body and he's using his body to the in the best possible way so i think there's mm-hmm. a very big achievement as a fast bowler having played 140 or test matches mm-hmm. and having claimed more than 500 wickets i think it's it's a fantastic achievement and he is going to be one of the greatest fast bowlers if he continues and uh, picks up more wickets but he already is a very good fast bowler anyway indeed uh, look girel address a few points that you mentioned sure. but before i go there you know there is one school of thought that says actually anderson might outlast broad really okay this guy is completely ageless apparently he's yeah. worked out the let's say the um the optimal way to maintain his body the amount of effort it takes to play a test match he's going to skip a test match here and there if, with a series you know so based on all this yeah, i'm making a joke for sure but it's also still a testament that you know uh, anderson himself is still very potent and still very effective oh, so yeah. that that you know that let's not completely you know ignore that one that's already very very good right mm-hmm. let's start there that's one thing and then you know um yeah let's first address the point of cornwall look i think because they are playing in consecutive tests at old trafford and with not much turnaround time right it made sense that they were going to invest in another spinner because this could be a pitch you know old trafford is always a very evenly bouncing pitch so uh, faster and fast bowlers and spinners both get same sort of you know investment in that or for whatever effort they are able to put in so based on that i think having a second spinner might have been worth it but the one point you have to also understand is yeah indeed he can add a bit with a bat he's a very good slip fielder right also a good good man to have in the team overall but the mm-hmm. problem is it, there is a learning curve for spinners in england r ashwin took a whole tour his first tour of england wasn't very successful if you remember mm-hmm. right and he was more classical spin bowler back then with a lot more loop and guile and a lot of drift away and so on right so when you look at these things um probably there is a bit of learning to be had and that can't be had even in tour matches i dare say sometimes only in tests so if you want to invest in a spinner to play in english conditions you have to start off with him earlier in the series right mm-hmm. and hope you know he he grows and he understands how to use the conditions to his own benefit look dombes himself right didn't have a big role in fact had no role almost this test right so that way if you look at it that's that's something to be expected in um, in a test match in england or for that matter even in new zealand so that's something something probably the management got wrong this is one of the things when it comes to the other thing the one thing i didn't really appreciate when it came to conwall was that he was not really economical you know if you are the premier spinner in the team you can't let this part timer air quotes part timer mean yeah. chase as an 8 for in a test he's not a part timer yeah. but you can't let him out bowl you and that's what happened in both the innings because you know chase cricket chase keeps it very very simple he keeps it straight forward and he knows what he can do and he'll stick to that and he'll bowl to a plan actually you'll always see that you know he's already thought of a field placement before he starts bowling it that's all very nice to see so that way it doesn't look good when the let's say the f- 
front line spinner is out bowled by a you know an all rounder middle order batsman who can also bowl spin but that's one point the next point shannon gabriel again this is a talking point because he turned up again at, in this test match but you know it, it was not enough his contributions were clearly not enough but he did enough in the first innings one could think but you know there is a school of thought that says what if they had rested him in the middle test you know what if you had gone for either an ocean thomas or a chimar holder both of whom are terrace right and hopefully they would have gotten a chance to sort of you know cut their teeth and you could have risked a middle test so if there was any test where you had a chance you had to come back strongly in the third test so you could have rested your main weapons being you know gabriel he looked really out of sorts in the second test he didn't turn up at all there so you might have as well rested him given uh, either ocean thomas or chimar holder a debut that would have been very nice right so there was also another fast bowler called kieran harding whom we hear is much like kimo paul was very penetrative and one ball is 131 ball is 150 something like this so that was also a guy you could have played in a game so that's the, those are quite a lot of things to discuss but there i think i agree with you when you said west indies got their um, team selection slightly wrong right the next point well they have a big hole in their top order right brathwaite came good more than once in this tour i wouldn't really hold it against him what happened here in this test series right it's okay um even in the second innings he hung on he's eight about an hour's time but somehow he couldn't come good this test the other two tests he had he's done his bit but campbell was a problem and if you batted hope at three out of the top three you had two walking wickets this was a very very big problem and you could not always be 50 for three in a test match right that's what was always happening so this for me is a big problem so i think i well i dare say both of them are run out of rope here so the next series that west indies play in tests i i probably will think both of them will not be in the starting 11 this is one thing so when you have a bowler fast bowler on the other team who's really chomping at the bit and riding the you know the top of his form you have to have batsmen who are able to dig in grind him out because he'll probably eat the rest of the middle order as well in the way he's bowling the amount of fizz that brought you know brought in when he started bowling at the top of the innings was so much you could see that i mean he was looking unstoppable at times so Shamar Brooks did his bit but again he failed unfortunately this test but he's done enough i think he's done enough to show he's one for the future Roston Chase we know he's he's definitely one where you know you would invest in him he would i dare say be you know captain of the west indian test team a few years down the uh, you know down the road let's visit that when time comes Jermaine Blackwood has done enough to make sure he's you know sort of redeemed himself given the chances he's got Holder, yeah, sort of failed with the bat. So Holder had promised a five four and a hundred. He failed to deliver on the latter, but it's okay. For me, another low point in this test was Shane Dowrich. Somehow, he got the yips during the England second inning. Somehow, started dropping the balls, and one of them really split his lip as well. That was very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And he looked really uncomfortable behind the stumps right through this test. I don't know what is going on. Maybe something else is going on that we don't know yet. something something was bothering dowrich this was not the dowrich who turned up in the first test match and literally won the game for the west indies right mm-hmm. or he was one of the let's say the side heroes there so they had a couple of people not turn up and that was not going to work against an england team really looking to you know fire on all cylinders get get the series result and they did and i think a lot of credit also goes to joe root the way he batted the way he led from front but also more importantly what he showed that you know with the field placings and he is a really galvanizing captain for this team and how much they missed him in the first test was very clear right so some some yeah. talking points from my side you know broad finished both as the man of the series and man of the match 
I would have given the man of the series to Ben Stokes. I think he did enough in the first two tests, both with the bat and ball. And um, sort of a left field choice, choice when it came to the man of the series for West Indies. And surprisingly, it's not it's not somebody that we would expect, but it's actually Rostin Chase, right? So that's also a good choice because he did enough with both the bat and the ball. Let's never forget that. Even in this test match, he took three wickets. So, yeah. yeah, all in all, I would say a very competitive series, but I think West Indians will return very, very disappointed. You know, Giri... Now the Wisden Trophy is officially retired. This was the last time England and West Indies were going to compete for it. Now, from the next uh, iteration of this uh, rivalry, what is the trophy going to be called, Giri? Isn't that Richard's Bottom Trophy? Perfect, right? That's a that's a really good homage to a friendship that began in an in English county club, but also you know the rivalry that spread across the intra- international cricket. Uh, let's say for about ten years. So that that's a very very Fitting sort of a name, I would say. I know you could have also called it a Cowdery um, Warrell Trophy or something. But this is equally good, I would say. So, yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. On a very serious note, Ajit. Mm -hmm. The return of the sweatbands. Did you notice Mm -hmm. that? (laughs) I can imagine. So, we had Stuart Broad, we had Chris Wokes and we had James Anderson. I saw these three guys wearing sweatbands or... Headbands, mm. basically, mm-hmm. a la the uh, 70s and the 80s uh, fast bowlers. Mm-hmm. You remember mm-hmm. uh, the Australian fast bowlers, especially. Yeah, it was a good, good uh, thing to see. But anyway, I think it was a fantastic uh, test series all in all. Um, yeah, we can't wait for more. I think uh, the next one is coming up very soon. When is that? Do you know? Well, we have the Pakistan England test starting on 5th August, right? So, no rest for the test match fans, apparently. You happy yeah. that uh, we have, again, one more test match to look forward to just in a week's time? Absolutely. I'm very happy. I think one one point I forgot to mention, and maybe it's also relevant for the next uh, test series, mm. is uh, the players need to be in a bio bubble, right? So mm-hmm. they have to... Uh, I think the West Indian players, when they first arrived in England, they were two weeks in a quarantine, and then the next uh, two weeks or so, they were in a bio bubble. So they couldn't leave the bubble. Until the series was over. Um, And that may have played a part. I think they they were away from their family for already a month, even when they were not playing cricket. Mm -hmm. And then additionally, they were away for one and one and a half months. So it's two, two and a half months of investment for about three test matches, which Mm -hmm. is a lot, Mm -hmm. I think, given the circumstances. It's going to be the same. I think uh, it's going to happen to all the players, uh, even from Pakistan, when when they start the next test match. Uh, It also applies to England. Right, so even English players, even though they are local uh, uh, players, they still have to stay in that bubble. They cannot leave the bubble. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what happened to a certain uh, Joe Archer when he left the bubble? Of course. <laughs> right, from Southampton towards uh, Manchester, he took a short diversion apparently. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, so a lot of cricket to look forward to. Uh, mm-hmm. Really waiting with uh, bated breath. Right. Look, that that's all said and done. I mean, we have to have a small stopover. I mean, this is one of the first times in a very long time that England has actually selected two tests or two squads. You know, back in the day, I'm talking 1920s, 30s. I should say back in the day. It was not back in the day. <laughs> but still, uh, there was this officially England sanctioned team that would play, for example, against one team. At the same time, uh, another MCC team a team would be selected and sent to, let's say, West Indies or South Africa, where the the number one English team played against Australia. Right? This was actually happening. We have such a situation here where there are actually two parallel English teams that are going to compete. 
not on the same day but very close to each other so we have a one day squad which have 25 players right like uh, that is led by oyen morgan and there you have a you know sort of a different story developing you have phil salt who's you know done really well in this warm up game against mm-hmm. ireland for england lions mm-hmm. and the likes of you know alex hales who may never come back you have johnny bairstow who's trying to uh, you know sort of use his spot in the one day team to still make a case for a test match per spot and so on and so on right so you have a lot of interesting let's say sub stories right there and there is this ireland uh, tournament which you know which will also become a part of the uh, world cup super league so there is a lot more to look forward to there but i'm also curious so there'll be three quick fire one dayers all of which again means people are staying in bio bubble as you say over for a week period mm-hmm. and 15 days of quarantine and maybe more so a lot of time needs to be invested in cricket is something that's definitely clear going forward giri but you know coming Absolutely. back to what we were discussing uh, i'm really curious so now the 20 man squad for pakistan has been let's say chosen so that that has some surprising names in it so uh, giri wahab riyas and sarfraz ahmed both have made a comeback and of course okay so you have finally some someone who probably deserved to be in this team already 3 to 4 years now fawad alam so did you yeah. see this pakistani squad giri uh very briefly i think we have all the expected names there like azhar ali babar azam mm-hmm. uh asad shafiq and uh, imamul haq right indeed and then indeed. we also have like abbas the, the desert lion okay <laughs> and then uh, the faster bowlers i think nasim shah is probably in the squad right and then also the leg spinning all rounder sure sure nasim shah is there and i think you mean um, shadab khan shadab khan was the leg spinning all rounder yeah indeed and of course nasim shah is there and you have also shahin shah afridi indeed yeah indeed right and then i'm and then i also see uh, shinwari here uh, usman shinwari and uh, yes. wahab riyas mm-hmm. and also yasir shah yasir shah exactly. so so they have a lot of bowling options there uh, pure pace of wahab riyas and uh, nasim shah and uh, of course the guile of shahin afridi shahin shah afridi and then uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately no mohammad amir because he is already retired right so Right. But it's good to see Wahab Riyas coming back though. I like him. I mean, he's he's a tear away fast bowler and I always like fast bowlers. You know that, Ajit. So, mm-hmm. it's good to see of course the bowlers coming back and I hope he gets uh, mm-hmm. a lot of reward for his uh, pace and uh, accuracy. Indeed. No, it's good to it's definitely good to see. Yeah. Um but okay, so now comes the let's say the story within the story. <laughs> so you have Sarfraz Ahmed being brought back. <laughs> I mean sort of I always felt he was dropped very unjustly right he was completely done away with from the squad that I felt was a bit harsh mm. so he's clearly the backup keeper here look he's in the 20 mm. if there are a 15 probably he would not be in it mm. that's how I would like to see it mm. right um and of course you have a lot of fast bowling options so you covered mohammad abbas but sohel khan has made a comeback he's sort of I think 35 plus but he's still in the team you have terawais like usman shinwari and wahabri as back in the squad both of whom are left arm options mm. let's not forget that mm. and shahin shah afridi who's a left arm option but is going to be a definite starter right yeah. so given what nasim shah did recently he took a hat trick and everything so i sort of see him starting so if you were to think of a opening 11 so look azhar ali is the captain babar azam is your middle order mainstay abid ali will open with imamul haq right then you have this is where the fun part comes for me uh there is also a spin all rounder spin bowling all rounder kashif patti right okay. so probably he's again included in the squad as a backup so for me your top order will be um imamul haq opening with um, abid ali you have azhar ali at 3 you have babar azam at 4 yeah. you have 
Asad Shafiq at five, Fawad Alam at six for me. Then, then you have Muhammad Rizwan and then four bowlers. This is how I would pick the squad because Fawad Alam can bowl a bit of spin. Yeah. Yeah. And then, depending on the condition, I would go definitely Shaheen Shafridi is a starter for me and I dare say Naseem Shah is a starter, starter for me. Okay. Right? So that means you have two more slots and given most conditions, you would probably go for a workhorse, Mohamed Abbas or a Sohel Khan. And one of the left arm tearaways, either Usman Shinwari or Bahabriyas. And I'm going to put my punt on Bahabriyas. I know what I've done. I've left out Yasir Shah. Right? So, if the conditions are fast bowling friendly, probably this will be the lineup. But otherwise, you would probably let go of your, uh, you know, the left arm fast option. And then you'll include Yasir Shah. So, for me, Yasir Shah is still the starting spinner. Though Shadab Khan offers this balance with both the bat and the ball. Mm-hmm. Um... And you have Fawad Alam who can bowl a bit of spin in the middle order. So, it, that's already good. Mm. But then there is one more guy, Shan Masood. He's he's had a good reputation recently, but he didn't succeed last time in England. So, what remains to be seen is if he'll be included in place of Imam Ulhaq. I think Abid Ali is a definite starter because he did really well in the last series. So, this would be my 11. Um, mm. Do you see any other possibilities, Giri? Uh, I would still include Shan Masood. I think he's quite a good mm. bat. Uh, at the top mm-hmm. of the order, mm-hmm. whether it's an opening or uh, uh, at number three, I think he will open if he plays. And I think he has also right. played a lot of domestic cricket in England, so he has spent quite a bit of time in England. So he is used to the conditions as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a very tricky situation between Abid Ali and uh, Imam Ulhaq. One of them has to go in that case. Correct. I would say Abid Ali is a starter. Then Imam, Imam Ulhaq will be the will be the one who will be left out if Shan Masood indeed plays. And it's an interesting choice of bowlers that you had there. Uh, I would include Shadab Khan and three seamers. Because if you have four right. seamers, I think it's a bit too much of uh, a predict... Yeah, it, it becomes very predictable. Although you said mm-hmm. Fawad Alam is, can bowl a bit of spin, but he's part-time spinner, right? He's not a frontline spinner. And with Definitely. Shadab Khan, you get the benefit of also a bit of batting down the order. And that definitely helps. We just saw what Stuart Broderick uh, did in the last match. So, I would play Shadab Khan and then three seamers, Shahin Shah Afridi mm-hmm. um, and probably the Desert Lion. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah, okay. yeah, I will play those two and then one of the others will be the tearaway, either Naseem Shah or uh, Wahab Riyaz or Usman Shinwari. One of those three, yeah. Okay. So, in that case, you left out Yasir Shah. That was going to be one of my questions. No, I did leave out or leave him out on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he. Yeah, I, he he cannot bat a lot, right? So no. if you need a bit of batting uh, help, you will need somebody like Shadab Khan. I know Yasir Shah is good. He picked up a lot of wickets in uh, Middle East conditions, but uh, I've not seen him do well so well, uh, do so well in England, uh, unless I'm mistaken. You know, um, yeah, he'll have to do something special to come back. No doubt about it. And. I have not actually followed all their intra-squad matches, actually. So, I don't know how Yasir Shah did with the ball. Because, look, let's never forget that this guy was having one of the best strike rates of for any bowler who reached 200 wickets and so on. So, um, there are a lot of good things. But he's really faded away in the last two series. Indeed, this is something I cannot ignore. Mm-hmm. So, let's, let's, let's really see. So, okay. I think we have a fairly balanced uh, squad. And we have a fairly balanced 11, at least we picked. So, let's see how that goes. So, yeah. let's see, maybe we'll have chance to actually do a proper preview, Giri, before the test match starts. We have a week in between. So, mm-hmm. let's see how that goes. I'm very happy to be talking purely about test match cricket again. 
right. we hadn't done this in quite a while so i'm very happy mm-hmm. to do this all right then so let's move on to the trivia section of the episode so the trivia question from the previous episode was who was the first ever umpire whose decision had been overturned on review using the drs right the answer to this question is mark benson in a test match india versus sri lanka in 2008 right so this was a match that was actually a trial for uh, drs and interestingly india was involved in that match so there are some interesting records the first ever player to be dismissed from a you know reversal of a decision was virendra sehwag and it was mark benson's decision that had been reversed and the first ever captain to call for a drs review was anil kumble you know when you when you look back at this 50 years down the line some statistician or some cricket fanatic from the subcontinent may actually use this for uh, indian uh, you know side he may say look look at these numbers this might clearly mean india were one of the early backers of the uh, drs system hmm. right the first ever decision and the first ever invoking is done by an indian captain right <laughs> i mean 10 years down the line they are using it more but look they are the early adapters now it was not the case it was just a trial game so just one of those uh, you know one of those uh, facts that prove uh, to be quite quirky so coming to the trivia question from this episode it's a very special one and it's very closely linked to the test match we so you know detailed uh, discussions we had on it so in this case which batsman has the honor if that's what it can be called of being the 500th test wicket for two different bowlers right so if you've been following this test match you know the answer already but if you want to get in touch with us to let us know the answer yeah if you want to show off a little bit please do get in touch so you can get in touch uh, with us using our twitter handle which is at armchair cricket pod we'll be online during international games so with the upcoming ireland uh, england odi is coming up we'll be online and you can get in touch with us there you can also write in to us using you know mail so it's armchair.cricket@gmail.com you could also leave us you know a comment in any of the podcasting apps you use and if one of you have left a comment and it's not come to our notice please let us know there is a chance we may have missed one of these our apologies but please do let us know about it right and if you are actually listening please do give us a nice rating on whichever app you use like probably apple podcast this also gives us a nice fill in right so plenty of cricket to look forward to we've already discussed this and even test matches like we have a new test match series literally starting in one week's time now so it's very good for us so let's really hope there is uh, even less rain intervention if possible in that series and even that series throws up some fantastic games and all all the, all of those have results right having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast